Greetings. Welcome to the Asna Kitchen podcast. I'm David Garig. And uh, before we get started, uh, just want to let you know I'm excited for my upcoming summer online course on the primary series. So that meets um, July 8th to August 6th on Saturdays and Sundays for two hours each day. And uh, you can do it live or with a recording. And we're going to go into the the awesomeness of the primary series and um, kind of help um, make that practice, that uh, formidable series, uh, more accessible to you. And um, yeah, really go into it. So hope you can join on that. You can find out more information on my website. And um, okay, so for today's topic, we have um, Drishti, which is uh, one of the principal techniques and basically the word in its most kind of simple definition is focused gaze, right? And, um, and there's kind of nine classic drishtis in Ashtanga yoga that we use in the asanas. And so where are we going to focus our gaze in our pose? And, and so those, the, just a summary of those nine um, drishtis, it's um, the middle of the thumb, yeah, so like um, when you look up past your, uh, up, look up in triangle pose, and then the middle of the eyebrows, like when you go into upward facing dog, the tip of the nose, so it's kind of down the nose, um, like in a forward bend, then the hand, so like say when you're doing um, warrior two, Virabhadrasana. And then there's Parsva Drishti, and um, that's the left and right side actually counts as two. That's how you get nine um, Drishtis. And so that's like in a twist, like uh, Marichyasana C. You uh, gaze to the right and, and, or to the left, uh, depending on which side you're on. And then the um, above or up is um, a Drishti, like uh, um, reaching your arms up overhead. And then Nabi Chakra, or the magical circle, navel circle uh, gaze, which is like um, downward dog, say. And then finally, the feet. Okay, and so um, to me, the, there's a very uh, deep study of the physical aspect of Drishti. And then there's uh, a much more um, kind of symbolic or psychic um, play out and, and that r extends all the way to uh, your entire vision of, of yoga and um, what you're attempting to see or um, experience or know through doing yoga. So we'll start with the physical and, um, and so bless our hearts, Ashtangis, I find that we invariably, it's interesting because we we take on these very um, challenging aspects of practice, like um, drishti. It's a very serious kind of meditation technique. And um, many styles of yoga don't really bother with um, focusing on where your eyes are, um, where your eyes are, uh, what you're doing with your eyes. Uh, and so that's very noble and important and awesome because uh, in Ashtanga we don't dilute the technology, right? But what we tend to do, see there's a kind of shadow aspect of 
undervaluing or not fully appreciating the degree of difficulty of the technique, like, or um, considering all of the, uh, the scope of it and what's, what it's really getting at. And so we can kind of, what I call is like literalize drishti or reduce it down to where do I look? And then just fix on that and that's the end of it. And um, there's certain problems with that um, on every level. And especially, and no, not especially, but um, starting with the physical level. And so, and that's what I'm gonna spend a little bit of time on with you. Because, see, part of undervaluing or not really understanding the de degree of difficulty is, um, it really boils down to um, positioning your head in an asana. Okay, so this is much more challenging than it sounds. And in fact, um, to me, the, the head is the, I, it's the funniest thing, I, I joke about it actually, because, right, the cerebral cortex, which is the evolved brain and the, the, man, the, the mind of the human being is the prize, is the, the highest thing, you know, in existence. And, and yet, from a very just straight ahead somatic level, like in, in the body, the head is the least smart, you can say, the least kind of clued into where to be in space, right? So your feet and your legs and your pelvis and spine and your arms, they're all kind of easier to sort out than your head. <laughs> and so this is partly why it doesn't work to just um, say, well, in triangle pose, I look up at my top hand there or, 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 or in um, the, the side angle stretch when I lunge and I take that arm over on the diagonal, I look up at the palm center, right? And um, so what often happens when we try to do that is that it, um, it distorts the head position um, terribly. And um, so to me, then you have to not literalize the drishti in a way. Or um, one, one thing that I, uh, or actually though, I wanna, before I go into like how to integrate your head um, with the rest of your body um, and then come up with a kind of appropriate or suitable gazing point, uh, I do want to say that it's amazing how important your eyes are in the formulation of your posture. And because um, what you're looking for is you're looking for what I call perceptual accuracy. Okay, so more than um, doing an advanced version of a pose or the, the kind of final version, you, you actually just want to perceive your body in space accurately. Right, and, and this, it, this means the relationship between your parts, okay? So you're, you're aware of the, the angles and the lines of your um, legs, arms, spinal column, and, um, and then the line of your pelvis, torso, head. And, um, and your eyes are a very important um, helper in 
perceiving. And in fact, they are the principal perceiving sense, right? Like, uh, here's a couple of amazing facts um, about the eyes. Uh, so number one, it said that as much as 85% of the sensory information that comes into your body um, is visual. Okay, so you have your five senses, right? And your 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 hearing, your taste, your smell, and your feeling, um, and your sight. And 85% of it is to your eyes taking in the information and um, helping you perceive reality. Um, Wow. Okay, so, so the eyes are super important for giving you information about where you are in space. Okay, and then um, another thing is, is that they say that um, as much as one-third of the brain activity at any given time is, um, is happening um, around processing visual information. So up to one-third of your brain's activity is um, tied up with processing visual information. And um, again, this is so amazing because it, it just shows you how principal your eyes are in the process of concentration and perception. And, um, and this translates into uh, positioning and um, like really getting to know where you, your body is in space uh, when you do your poses. And, um, and this is also what I'm talking about, about the, in terms of the asana, the, the looking place that's stated by Ashtanga um, for each pose is what I call the advanced looking place or the advanced gaze. And it's because to really do it well, like even the most simple gazes, like um, looking up past your thumbs when you reach your arm overhead or looking up at your uh, hand in triangle pose, or uh, any of the drishtis, they, um, to do it with a, a head position that's um, integrated with the rest of your body is really challenging. And, um, and this is why I suggest you open up a more of an exploration with drishti before settling on the, um, this final looking place that's um, given to you in the standard Ashtanga kind of rollout. And, um, and so I, I recommend three um, drishtis that you experiment with in every pose, no matter what the stated drishti is. Okay, and they're very um, standard. So one is just looking forward like you do when you do um, samastitihi, right? You level your chin and the gaze is internal, but it's also out towards the horizon. Okay, so you keep a level head when you do uh, triangle pose or reach your arms up or any pose at all or like even a back bend okay and um, and, uh, and then research the 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 whole position of your everything and um, your the, the the legs arms pelvis torso and finally the head and then the relationship between all those and like gather more information about your body through these alternative drishtis. And, and then the other um, drishti is to look down, like um, cast your eyes down and um, uh, like Jalandhara Bandha, like do Jalandhara Bandha in any pose. Okay, and that, that um, 
is in some ways that's the best um, Trishti that you can use or at least uh, you really want to include this because you can actually see your body when you look down. And, um, and like we said, that 85% of that sensory information um, uh, is coming into your body your, uh, through your eyes. And so you, the moment you look at your body, <laughs> you've got uh, a very important advantage for um, positioning. Okay, and knowing where you are and where you want to be and um, making adjustments. Okay, and then the third one is looking up. All right, so you've got, so it's just very um, basic, right? You just experiment every pose with looking up, looking forward, looking down, and, um, and then really extract the most out of this very important um, sense organ and of and your your eyes and your seeing okay and um, and along with that um, is to take into account this beautiful idea that your eyeballs are round okay like that in itself is uh, fascinating and um, and so it means uh, that you look round right that there that the the process of seeing has a circular aspect or a spiral aspect that's um, so important for doing poses. And one small example is, um, is casting your gaze around to the side when you do a twist, right? And um, it's like um, creating, like your eyes are leading the rotation of your spine in a circular kind of corkscrewing action. And it's easy to not do that with the eyes. It's just kind of look to the side and be done with it, rather than casting your gaze circularly around to the side as part of the motion of um, rotating your spine from the base up the column um, up to the crown of the head. And so this is something I, I recommend. And it also kind of hints to that to me, when working with your eyeballs, you actually, in order to integrate the, the whole thing, you can do this thing where you pretend that the seeing originates from the base of your spine rather than from the other end at the terminus, right? So from, the, from your pelvic floor, your tail of your spine up. Yeah, so it's... It's an amazing process to think of the, the, the process of seeing, yeah, starting at the base of your spine, like way down there. And then, th that, and so, so seeing bubbles up the length of your spine and comes up through your head and then out through your eyes, right? And um, so, um, because your, your mission is to use your gazing to integrate your head with the rest of your positioning, okay? And then also there's a certain kinesthetic awareness you're looking for that, um, so that your, your idea of kind of seeing or gazing 
It's including more of your peripheral vision, and then it even extends beyond that to a kind of um, almost an intuitive sense of the whole body. It's like you're seeing everything, um, the whole body in your mind's eye. Okay, and, um, and this starts to hint at the more deeper aspects of what, um, of what Drishti is about. And, um, so, because it's interesting, so that, in fact, one definition of drishti is seeing with the mind's eye, or the very first definition of um, drishti is vision. Okay, and um, and then also the word um, kind of attitude or um, notion. So then, it's not just a matter of looking at your hand and then you've got the drishti, right? It's more of a vision, like you have this vision of, your, of the, your body in the pose and that vision accounts for every part of you. So, uh, and like a geometrical form or a yantra that you're, you're making that, and, and so that, so yantra, it's a, it's a, like, it's a meditative device based on form and classical mantras are um, actual pictures that are drawn that you um, study and meditate on and they're very precise, um, have precise geometry made up of circles, triangles, squares, like uh, mandalas, right? And, um, and so an asana is no different. It's, it's, it's a very precise geometrical form that you want to have a vision for uh, when you do your pose, okay? And so, and that's why I tell you that the drishti actually starts from the base of your spine and, and goes up. And um, because, because your kinesthetic awareness, your kinesthetic seeing takes into account the entire structure. And when you have that feeling of seeing emanating from your center, and then also that you kind you have zillions of eyes all throughout your body, like your cells themselves are eyes that are seeing or contributing and giving you um, information about your pose. Okay, well then by the time you actually get to those eyeballs and where you look, you're going to have a much more integrated position. Okay, and um, and it's just fascinating, like. I, st I marvel at it still after decades of um, study and research that how, um, how important and insightful the visual sense is. Um, and and, and I, I really, I like connecting just this idea of drishti, of focused gazing with um, your view, your notion, um, or even your opinion, your stance, right? Like th that's what you're trying to get at is like, what's your notion of this pose? And in an overall sense, and then configure that. And then you then it doesn't matter where your eyeballs look, right? You could have your eyes closed, you could look up, you can look down, and, um, and you've got the whole thing integrated. Okay, and, um, and remember that your head is the hardest part to integrate. 
so fascinating that your eyes, they give you so much information, so much perceptual um, information, and yet where they're located um, makes it really tough to, ent uh, to um, integrate that part of the body. And so, so you got to play with it. Okay, and so and along those lines, then um, the, the so that the notion or the vision, um, it, it the word drishti it it also means um, intellect or intelligence um, or wisdom. Okay, and so so then and this goes for um, a somatic kind of bodily intelligence, bodily wisdom. Right, that that um, that requires that you encompass a greater vision of the looking place or the gaze um, to get the most out of, and just everything I've been talking about—that um, your seeing emanates from your center, and you're integrating the whole body as um, in an intelligent way, and um, including your head in the equation. Okay. Um, but then that intelligence or that wisdom, obviously, um, in yoga, it's, it, it extends beyond or the, the asana. Or the asana is the microcosm that um, translates into the macrocosm. So that like a skillful positioning and um, skillful actions in the asana is teaching you about um, your life, your, the stances you take in your relationships and um, in your relationship with yourself and your significant others and your work and, um, and then all of the, the actions that you perform throughout the day that you're, you're trying to see um, continually, kind of see yourself in action and integrate and have a... a right seeing or positive seeing um, and use your yoga to develop uh, more skill in the choices you make in your life pertaining to every particular. Okay, and so, and, and along those lines, um, it's interesting that um, in Buddhism, the, the idea of having a view, which is a definition of drishti or an opinion, is, is actually a negative thing. That, or mostly that views are wrong views or entanglements or um, afflictions. And, um, and so they're said to be, in Buddhism, up to 62 um, different wrong views or entanglements or inflic um, afflictions. And, some of the main ones are like um, attachment to pleasure, or um, so, so right, so wrong desire, or and um, going after the wrong things, and so wrong seeing, or having a wrong view of like what is actually going to give pleasure, or um, or go away from um, suffering, and then hostility, anger, and um, all these are part of the wrong view, that all of our kind of aggressions and um, frustrations and the anger and um, kind of um, be, being aggressive and violent and these things, this is all uh, kind of headed in the wrong view, especially when not um, acknowledged or um, 
sorted through or processed or um, kind of really looked at carefully. Okay, and then um, pride, you know, arrogance and pride and ego. These are um, things that are going to cloud your view or be a wrong view and um, doubt and um, ignorance itself is a wrong view. <laughs> so, but it's interesting because they, um, they also have this um, Buddhist, an uh, another aspect of the Buddhist um, idea of drishti is the, what they call the pancha drishti. And you can say that um, most of them are negative, but, but, the, but one is not. So there's the kind of, um, or actually two are somewhat neutral. Like the first one, embodiment view. It's kind of like just the fact of having a body and having eyes and having per perception is one um, drishti or view. But then there's the holding extreme view. Okay, so this is very important in the asana practice and, and also um, playing out in your mental states, right? Is that um, you're always looking for the middle, the middle position. So it's not an extreme in any one direction. And um, partly drishti is to detect when you've gone to an extreme, okay? And then, um, and correct, all right? And then there's just the plain old wrong view. Okay, and this is a, another thing with perceptual accuracy that we're talking about, is that that's the premium. That's what you're looking for, um, is you're trying to perceive accurately what's happening. And, that, and what's amazing is how often we have the wrong view and are very um, just gung-ho in thinking we have the right view or just assuming that it's... that or, somehow missing the fact that we are, we're in the wrong view, okay? And so you kind of have to um, take stock. And that's one of the reasons that I have you do these different head positions in your asana. Because it's so easy to, to um, lose track of where your body is in space. But then the moment you look down, like in a Jalantarabandha and scan, you're like, oh, wow, okay, I see. Okay, and then there's a grasping at view. So again, it's a the kind of, we get attached to things and don't notice. And in a way, then we're taking up this attitude of grasping or clinging or holding on to things that um, aren't serving us. Um, little things in the moment or bigger things that we form whole habits patterns around and, um, and cause ourselves a lot of suffering. Okay, but then finally, the fifth one is so awesome. It's a grasping at virtue and practice. Yeah, see? So this is like a beautiful um, thing, is that instead of grasping at um, negative things and um, negative attachments or um, holding extreme views or wrong views, no, we, we're grasping for virtue in our asana, in our actions, and, um, and that we're just grasping to practice, just to practice, and to really let ourselves get in there and dig around and practice and experiment and research and um, try things. And that, that's the, what, and we're grasping onto that. That's the view we're taking is that I'm practicing. And remember that it's a, for a different podcast entirely, but the, for me, the virtue, it's got the three prongs. See, I love the word virtue, 
but it does have these three prongs that you're grasping at. And that is the moral right, you know, that so alignment or whatever the rightness is of something. And we tend to stop there and think that that's all that virtue is, is just being right, right, um, or good. And so the, the second aspect is um, usefulness or suitability, right, that something could be technically right, but wrong for you or um, not suitable to the circumstances. And so there's, there's got to be this flexibility and this um, kind of heads-up perception of like, um, finding what's suitable to the circumstances, okay? And that's just as important as something being right. Um, and this is talking about alignment, making your yantra, your geometrical form, and um, shooting for the ideal. It's like you're, you have to respect your body and find what, what is suitable as you shoot for the ideal. And then that corresponds to negotiating um, things with your partners or your work environment or all over the place. There's a rightness is juxtaposed with suitability. Okay, and that's hard to take because right can be so unambiguous. It's right or wrong. And, um, and then when you add suitability, then it's like some things will be right for some and wrong for others. And it gets a little gray and mucky, the idea of virtue. But, but the wise yogi is able to withstand that um, that grayness because life is not black and white. It's a little bit messy. Okay, and then finally beauty is this essential aspect, the, um, that the, the sense of order and harmony and um, beauty, just the, the appreciation of um, what the form that you are making and taking into account the, um, the aesthetic aspect to it, how it sounds or feels or what to you, like, you know, um, developing your palate and um, consulting your sense of um, taste and style um, as, you, as, a, as a part of virtue, right? So ideally, virtue includes a certain rightness, a certain suitability, and then a, um, a certain beauty. And, and then in the opposite of those is uh, a wrongness, an unsuitability, and an ugliness. Okay, and, um, and then what I love about yoga though, um, is yoga always goes beyond. Um, and, um, and so, because it, it's so awesome that in, in the Buddhist idea that all views are inferior to the place of no view, right? So that you're not trying to have any drishti. You're not trying to have a stance or an opinion or a notion. Um, you're trying to transcend all of those things. And, um, and so it's kind of the idea that no view is the best view. And then they, they have this kind of um, comparison they do, which is saying that, no, that just as open space um, is immaterial and develops all beings, right? So all the form of the universe, all the beings 
right? The, the tree beings, the, the mountain beings, the animal beings, the human beings, it's all developed from um, immaterial space. So from the void comes the 10,000 things. And, um, and this is true that the, the vigor of the bodhisattvas is not, and so bodhisattva, it's another word for sage or um, enlightened yogi or master. So that um, the vigor of, of the master is but not being established in any dharma. So dharma means particular um, way of seeing, way of um, approaching, um, or particular kind of path or work. And then and they also say that open space opens possibilities for creativity, and then being without a set view opens possibilities for creative expression for the human being. Okay, and so, so this is what I think is so interesting, is that, it, that you, you, you have this, um, that whole, that we back to this um, really familiar theme of vritti, right? So you've got all this activity going on in the body-mind complex, and yoga is to stop that activity, to go from vritti to nirvritti, right? And that's the same as kind of go, to go from uh, having all kinds of notions and views that cloud your perception, attachments and anger and frustrations and all this, you're trying to go transcend all of that and kind of stop it and, and not come from any set perspective. And, but you need the intermediary step of pravritti. So you don't just go from vritti to nirvritti, you go vritti, pravritti, nirvritti. And this is where that beautiful um, idea of is the attachment. So your one view is grasping for virtue and practice. You see, so, so at least by, by that intermediate step, you're not in a blatantly wrong view or an attachment or these things. But you're also looking to transcend even your notions of what could be um, right or beautiful versus um, wrong or ugly and, um, and come to the kind of empty out so that you can really experience everything. Okay, and um, walking even further into the process, um, there's the famous quote from my teacher who said, Drishti um, is when a master of Drishti um, has this view. Everywhere looking, only God seeing, right? And, and that's um, this kind of um, the Jain faith. Um, they, what they think of a Trishti is, is the application of right faith. Okay, and so, and, and, so you, and you drive away wrong faith with the application of right faith. Because remember that yoga... In its, in its very deepest essence is trying to get you to wake up to the spiritual dimension of your life. And, um, and so this is, um, this is it. This is it, is to see that yourself is not this temporal body-mind complex that we get so um, attached to and closely identified with, that there's a, this eternal... Um, 
self that is unborn and um, and it's the author so it's a kind of it's the the thread that unifies the entirety of existence okay and so we're trying to move out of our small little ego and selfish concerns and get to a place of solidarity with all of life and um, the very deep and profound um, stance of a monk or a nun that um, where you that when there is suffering in the world everyone suffers okay it's not because suffering is outside your body that you're not affected by it or somehow um, part of it right and um, and so this is what you're this is the ultimate drishti is everywhere looking only god seeing so you don't see this mundane world um, that we're so steeped in um, you see the hidden um, sacred unified dimension um, behind it all and um, along those lines in the those sacred texts of um, Hatha Yoga, they, um, there's often lines, uh, little phrases like the one that I'm going to kind of interspersed once in a while. Not, not too many, but they're in there. Um, and it, it has to do with like the breath and the body and the mind and, um, and involving mudra and gaze and whatnot. And so here's, a, it says, when the yogi's breath and mind have dissolved into his inward focus, and while he is looking outward and below, um, and yet also not looking anywhere, this is the Shambhavi Mudra. So it's describing this um, wonderful kind of um, esoteric, uh, energetic lock called Shambhavi. And Shambhu, it means um, auspicious. And so, and so it says that, then this is the Shambhavi Mudra, the state of Shambhu, which manifests as the highest reality, free from what is void and not void. Right? So free from that kind of transcendent place beyond all of the, the notions and the forms, but also um, within the, what is not void, within this um, world itself that so you're, you're coming to this highest reality that's um, free from both. So anyway, there's some ideas about drishti for you. And um, I, I really encourage you in summary to, to um, explore all of those physical ideas that I spent a lot of time with um, earlier. And, um, and then go, go even deeper into this whole idea of the notion or the vision that you have of your pose. And so you're integrating your whole body through your drishti. Um, and then you, you even transcend your notions and visions and kind of wake up to the spontaneous um, apprehension of the world as it is, knowing it to be uh, sacred, like, um, and that, so that only, everywhere looking, only God seeing. Um, have an experience of that. All right, so I um, part with you.
reminding you about my primary series course coming up. Um, really love to work with you July 8th to the August 6th on Saturdays and Sundays for two hours, um, digging into the primary series um, in depth in a lot of different cool um, ways that will um, enhance your practice, whether you do Ashtanga and already do the primary series or whether you're doing Hatha Yoga and um, you can um, take from that primary series and, um, and really enhance your practice.